Warning, this episode contains foul language, mentions of suicide and death, and music and sound effects that may be jarring to some listeners. strange and unusual, dimensional and subliminal, haunted and harrowing, and sometimes we just get downright spooky, y'all. And today is one of those days because we have a fan favorite for you. It's listener ghost stories. (laughs) Or as it really should be called, real life strangeness because some of these stories don't involve ghosts. I know. Sometimes these stories involve extraterrestrials, the Mandela effect, a person hiding under your bed or in your closet, shared hallucinations, and occasionally even tears in the fabric of our very existence. If that doesn't grab your attention, I don't know what will. Join us today as we tell you stories written by real people of real life events that they have experienced that are to this day unexplained. Grab a set of headphones and turn off the lights if you're ready to get completely fucking wrecked. My name is Ashley and this is my co-host Lauren. Hi weirdos. <laughs> completely fucking wrecked. Completely wrecked. <laughs> um, truly though, yeah. I do always recommend headphones um, for these episodes if you are looking to get real spooked, real scared. Because mm-hmm. I do add sound effects and I do add music and sometimes it can be really spooky and scary so the most highly recommend it feedback we get on the show is how much people love ashley's sound effects like Mm -hmm. she she puts in the work editing no matter what but the listener ghost stories episodes are something so special so definitely wear headphones if you can if you're able if you're in the situation you know do it yeah and also guys sorry if this episode is late these episodes take a long time to make uh we are gonna blast straight into it today because we have Ooh. so many stories and there are so many good ones and i don't want any of them to get cut for time so Perfect. i'm gonna start off this first one is short and sweet but boy do i love it this one comes to us from reddit user sansa Lamensa who was actually awarded Post of the Week with this story a few months ago over on the Paranormal Reddit. So that's really dope. Congrats, Sansa Lamensa. And thank you for allowing us to share your story and for allowing me to be able to say your fun Reddit username so many times. I was going to say, Sansa Lamensa. (laughs) I really like it. Okay, Sansa Lamensa says, When I was a teenager, my friends went through a phase where they would mess around with a Ouija board which I absolutely hated. One evening, we were all having some drinks at a friend's house, and out comes one of my friends carrying that damn thing. I rolled my eyes and I walked away and just made fun of my silly friends with another guy that was there. Mind you, there were like 20 of us at this house. It was kind of crowded, and it had started to spill out out the front door and the garage. They kept asking these really dumb questions like, what is the zodiac sign of so-and-so? And And what about the zodiac sign of so-and-so? I rolled my eyes and said to the friend I was with, it's like they think it's Walter Mercado. Mind you, the place was crowded. There was music. And I said this to him in normal conversation at a normal level when we were by ourselves about two to three meters away from anyone else at the party. Also, we were both a good eight meters away from the pair that was asking the questions. After a few minutes, the pair that was asking the questions on the Ouija board started asking really loudly, Hey, is there a Walter in here? Who's Walter? Everyone looked puzzled. (laughs) Of course, there was no Walter there. When asked why they wanted to know, the pair moving the board said, because it just spelled out, I am not Walter. And I just noped out of there. 
Nope. It's the biggest As nope, you nope, nope, nope. fucking should, Sansa Lamenza. I would be gone. Oh my God. Long gone. Long gone. That's why I started to giggle the minute you were like, it's like they think that I was like, oh, and it's going to pick up on that. And it's going <laughs> to respond to her. And I'm already yeah. mad about it. <laughs> well, I had to add this one in because one, Walter Mercado, like what a dream. If you haven't watched the Walter Mercado documentary, I don't remember what it's called. What is the Walter documentary called? The um, the documentary is called Mucho Mucho Amor, The Legend oh. of Walter Mercado. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a legendary astrologer personality. He was he was wonderful. Um, and he actually passed how long ago? Recent. Well, not recent, but right. But within the last decade. Ago. Yeah. So that was like the main reason that I was like, oh, my God, we have to talk about this story because I love Walter Mercado so much. But two, this is one of the creepier Ouija board stories that I've heard, especially since I do believe that Ouija boards are essentially using us to channel messages that could be coming from anywhere, which is why it, it doesn't bother me when someone you know, purposefully moves the planchette because I think we are moving the planchette. It's just what is something is driving us to move to specific letters, not necessarily that the planchette is moving on its own, but to disconnect the planchette players with the question being asked is an experiment I think would be really fun to do if you're comfortable playing with a Ouija board and you don't believe it's a portal to demonry. I think it would be cool to do that. But yeah, I, I, that's what really creeped me out was just as soon as you started saying like, we were separated from them. It was loud, like nowhere we near. Anywhere I was like, near no, no, them. no. There's no way they heard us. Yeah. Cause I feel like I've always been able to, I don't know, kind of keep the Ouija board at bay. I'm not against using it, but I feel like even when we did it on a past episode, I've been a little like, well, what was actually you happening had, like, there? I've always... Up. I've always had some questions about it. It's like the one thing I always say it's fun to believe. It's for whatever reason, the one thing I'm like, I don't know if I believe this, but hearing a story like that makes me want to cry. And that is so yeah. spooky. It's so spooky. <gasps> I cannot Thank imagine. you, Sansa wow. Lamenza. That is a very Truly. scary experience. And if I experienced it, I would probably not be super chill around Ouija boards anymore. No. If anyone's like wondering what I mean by we are the channel, I think Ouija boards are the exact same as automatic writing, the exact same as, um, what are those damn sticks <laughs> that I use? Oh, yeah. I know what you mean. That seek like water. The paranormal sticks. You got them as a paranormal gift, sticks. Didn't you? Yeah, I, I didn't. know. They're not. But... I can't think of what they're called. But same hmm. deal where rods? it's like rods. Something rods? Something, dowsing rods, the dowsing rods, you know, I think yeah. that, you know, they are reacting to, to you because that's sort yeah. of the, um, the argument against dowsing rods and, and crystal pendulums is like, well, they're reacting right. to changes in your body. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not saying that I, my body is not responsible for what's happening. Right. What I'm saying is that I don't feel in control and it could be that something is attempting to channel through me. I think that we, the tools are great. The tools that we use for this stuff is great, but I think that it's us that are the conductor for anything otherworldly. I don't think it's the actual right. tool. I think it's it's all it's through us. It's not like us. it's just moving out of nowhere and yeah. it's like, oh, but I'm perfectly still. Like we're giving it something, but what is pushing us mm-hmm. towards that? We don't exactly know. Which is why I'm not, particularly frightened of a Ouija board and I don't believe that it has anything to do with demonry I think that anytime you're attempting to do something in which you are channeling something through your body it can be dangerous I don't think that Ouija boards are any more dangerous than dowsing rods crystal pendulums other automatic writing other forms of channeling yeah which you know can be dangerous we know Amy Goldenberg has told us some stories about where she had channeled something that wasn't good. Right. So you don't know what'll get picked up. It is true. Yep. Yeah. It's real. Well, wow. That was a lot. It's very spooky. Thank you for writing it. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) 
I have a story from a listener named Gwen. We have both, Ashley and I have both DM'd with you a bit on Instagram, Gwen, and I know you have said that you think you have a sensitivity as there is some of that running in your family, mainly with the women, I believe. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I know Ashley was able to connect with you a little bit with other family members she has who are sensitive. And anyway, we've loved talking to you. And then you also wrote us a great email with some stories. So thank you very much. Gwen says, okay, I'm including a mix of stories. Some my own experiences and others are my mom's and stories that she has told me about. And for Mm -hmm. context, my mom and her side of the family have a history of paranormal experiences and sensitivities. And I promise she would not bullshit any of it. Shortly after I was born, my parents had bought a house and we lived here till I was eight years old. For context, the house was built in 1872. I don't have too many experiences from it, and my parents definitely have more, but mine are some of the most significant things I have ever experienced in my life. To start, one night when I was maybe five or six, I was laying in bed, and my door was always open about a quarter of the way, and the hall light was always on as a nightlight. So while I was laying awake, I started to hear the sound of someone walking up the stairs, which were at the end of the hallway, not too far from my room. I thought it was odd since my parents were definitely in their room, asleep, but it didn't seem totally odd since sometimes my little sister would get up out of bed and try to go down the stairs. But the thing about that is there's a motion sensor positioned at the halfway point of the staircase and the alarm was set every night for a light to go off or an alarm to go off. So I was curious. I had to get up and see what was going on. And when I got to the top of the stairs, I heard footsteps running down the stairs away from me. I kind of just stood there, frozen for a second, not understanding what was happening. And we didn't have any pets. My sister was in bed along with everyone else. And even if someone had gone down the stairs, the alarm would have gone off. Separate of that event, I have always been fearful of the stairs and I never knew why. It was just a bad feeling. So then my dad's experience, before my parents had moved into this house, my dad would stay at the house for countless hours to do renovations, and this will come into play later. Sometimes when he was in the basement, he could hear people talking upstairs, and he couldn't understand what the conversation was about, Um, but every time he would stop what he was doing to listen, and then the voices would stop immediately. He was all by himself in the house, no doubt about that, And then sometime after this, once the renovations had completed and we were in the house, my dad was in the couch in the living room dozing off, and there was once an entryway connecting the living room to the kitchen, but it had been closed off as part of his renovation. So he's dozing off, and my dad sees an apparition of a man and a woman walking together through the wall, wearing period clothing. He can't remember exactly what the outfits were, but he knows he remembers a big top hat. And of course, they were walking through the wall exactly where the entryway once stood. Then my mom's story was when I was a toddler, my mom would occasionally lose track of where my pacifier was. Nothing too weird, but sometimes even after looking for it, she couldn't find it. She would be looking forever and that shit would just be missing. And just when she had given up all hope, she would find the pacifier sitting perfectly in the middle of my bedroom or out on a shelf like it had been placed there in the center by somebody. And it was in a spot she had obviously looked many times already. So my mom chose to believe that it was my great grandma helping her out to find the pacifier. And lastly, along those same grandmother lines, Gwen um, also shared with us over Instagram. She said, I saw the apparition of a woman once, but didn't quite know who she was or why she appeared. It wasn't until later when looking through photo albums with my mom that I spotted the woman who had appeared and said that was her. And it was her grandma who died before she was born and who she had never seen before. And her mother also would have dreams about her grandma saying how much influence she had over her, her being Gwen. And Gwen's mom would just respond, yeah, okay. And the very next day after this dream happened, Gwen showed up and had a crescent moon tattoo. And little did I know, Gwen says, that was my grandma's favorite symbol. Wow. Fun. That's so sweet. I have a couple things to say. One, stairs. Stairs are liminal spaces. And we talked about this before. We have talked about this before. Staircases. It's all adding up. 
are liminal spaces, which means they're sort of a space between space in our world, in our dimension. And the thing about stairs is that the energy on stairs is very rarely is it still. Because you don't usually stop Mm. in the middle of the stairs and have a conversation or stop in the middle of the stairs and have a bite to eat. You're going up or you're going down. And because of that flow of energy, it is supposed, it is theorized that because of that flow of energy, it makes it sort of an unsettling space. It either Mm -hmm. because of that flow of energy, there's more energy in that space. So there's more energy for things to maybe manifest themselves or you're just feeling that strangeness. I remember when we did, um, when Mel and I investigated the Lent Mansion, the stairs were insane. The stairs were so, so wild. All of our machines would go off on the stairs and it almost seemed like people going past us because it would be like beep, 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 Mm -hmm. beep, 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 beep. It was like things going up and down. That happened to us at the Culver Hotel too, when it was almost like that back staircase. I remember that we were like, is this only where the staff walks down? Or it was like, I don't know, it was a side staircase and we kept getting reactions on ours as well. And then that also happened at the Biltmore on a staircase that we had also heard something had maybe happened on where somebody had fallen to their death. So, I mean, if that was connected or not, who knows, but we were right outside of that staircase when we got the EVP of the girl singing. Yes. So I really think that stairs being that sort of, that sort of liminal space has something to do with experiences on the stairs, but also with just that feeling of like, I don't like the stairs for whatever reason. Something feels weird. Not a fan of these stairs. (laughs) For sure. I really do think that a familial connection, I mean, just like anything, just like, you know, diseases are passed down. Mm-hmm. Mental health disorders are passed down. Personality traits yep. are passed down. Fucking why wouldn't the ability to experience the paranormal be passed down? It's just totally the sensitivity would of course exist. But mm-hmm. I also just love the mom having the dream about the grandma and then that oh, kind of coming true. I but also it. Gwen having that connection with her grandma having never met her. I just I thought that was such a heartwarming fun connection it's as so well. Heartwarming. So that was cool. I would love to cool. it's a very comforting feeling to think that well, to think that there's someone looking out for you. But especially right. if it's someone I don't know, a great grandmother who you maybe never met, but obviously shares quite a bit with you. Right. A little bit of a guardian angel. Yeah, guide you or look out for you or just be around. Yeah. But I also thought, what if she was her grandmother reincarnated? Oh, my gosh. And that's why she sees this woman and, like, her mom has these dreams. And the dream said you, like, the grandma was saying, I have a heavy influence over your daughter. And the mom was like, Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. How How heavy is the influence, How heavy is the influence? Are you possessing my daughter? Are you her? (laughs) (laughs) Granny. That's a theory. I don't hate it. It's a theory. I don't know. Throwing it out there. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Gwen. I love your stories. I can't wait to hear more. If you have more, you know. I know. Write us anytime. For sure. (laughs) This next story comes to us from John Norris. You can and you should follow him on his Instagram at the artist John Norris. That's J-O-N. N-O-R-R-I-S. It was an immediate follow for me. Um, As you will see in this story, he's a painter and he gets to travel around painting ceiling murals for a restaurant group, which didn't know that was John, but that's the coolest job. Right? Of course it is. (laughs) But I think you will find his art is super dope. Creepy stuff, silly stuff, spooky stuff, weird stuff. He's right, right, right up our alley. And... He has apparently had several strange occurrences in his travels, and this is one of them. So thank you so much, John. All right, John. Okay, John says, Just a quick overview of myself and the who, why, what, etc. that leads to what happened. I'm an artist living in Charlotte, North Carolina. I paint ceiling murals for a restaurant group traveling to different locations around the United States. I mostly paint scripts of full books on the ceiling for this restaurant group. It's pretty cool. My wife and I were in Atlanta, Georgia back in early 2016. She read to me and I wrote on the ceiling. 
We worked at night and usually got to the job around 6.30 p.m. I think it was the second or third week of May. Thank you for the specifics. Incredible. We love the details. We're here for it. We got coffee, went in through the side door, and talked until the last construction worker left. I started working around 7.45 p.m. I set up the ladder and had to prime a wall section above the bar area. Three-inch brush, a gallon of flat beige color paint, and a nine-inch roller setup. I started cutting in the wall and worked for no more than 20 minutes. My wife said she was going to go change into different clothes in our van in the parking deck. I worked for another four to five minutes and put my brush down on the top of the paint bucket. I got down from the ladder to smoke a cigarette, and all of a sudden, I wake up laying on one of the bench seats across the restaurant. Looking back up at my wall as I stepped off the ladder was my last memory. The lights in the place were all flashing in succession with each other. I was scared, like scary movie scared. I didn't see my wife, and I looked at my phone, and two and a half hours had gone by. I called for her, I called her on the phone, no answer. I immediately went to the parking garage and got to our van and she was just waking up in the back of it on our little sitting space. This was not like us. We don't just both fall asleep out of nowhere at the same time, no less. And we had been used to the work all night, sleep all day thing since February of that year. She had looked at her phone and freaked out due to how long she had been asleep. She also didn't remember falling asleep, same as me. On the way back up to the job, I explained to her about the lights flashing, and we ended up talking to the security guard who had reset and turned them off for us, the lights. He said someone had tripped the security alarm, but he was oblivious to what could have done it. The alarm system wasn't even turned on because of the construction. We also used the back door a lot and never set any alarm off. Either way, it's just weird that it happened at the same time. But the scariest thing was when I saw my paintbrush on the top of the paint can on top of the ladder. The brush was still wet. Flat latex paint dries up in a brush less than two hours in air-conditioned environments. I put that brush down at almost 8 p.m. It was 10.45 when I picked up my brush again. My brush's timeline seemed to be only 5 to 10 minutes, whereas my wife and I's was nearly 3 hours. That is really bizarre because, okay, the lost time, that was my immediate fear was like, okay, the lost time, the abduction theory, like, here we go. I, I why was the paintbrush? That's the thing. I, at first thought alien abduction, but that wouldn't account for the paint still being wet. It would make more sense if the paintbrush was abducted and put back three hours later, (laughs) not their bodies. Like, so what's going on? So what's going on? But I have a theory I want to throw at you. Okay, let's do it. This is something I've, hold on. She did it. Yay, she did it. She has a thought. I have a thought. I have a theory. It's something we haven't necessarily covered on the show before, but I think we've mentioned the possibility of it. In fact, in the last episode, I think I might have mentioned the possibility of it. One of the theories behind Mandela effects happening is that there are constantly dimensional shifts happening that we are barely aware of. Mm-hmm. That would give weird experiences like this a possible explanation. There's actually yeah. a Reddit user who chimed in with this theory in the comments, user Sumai4444, and they referenced their mentor, Reddit user Erishale, who is a psychic, a spiritual counselor, and an energy worker, and they explained what could be happening during a dimensional shift. So this is all coming from a spiritual worker, um, psychic, okay? 
They said that a vortex of energy, most likely electromagnetic energy, can be created by tectonic plates shifting, micro-earthquakes, or even massive amounts of electricity being kicked up for XYZ reason. Even just Earth's normal geothermal fluctuations can cause gravitons to flare up. They explain that for over a decade, experiments have been done to prove that gravity can pass through dimensions. Such energy can mess with the human mind, can affect short-term memory loss, can cause confusion and disorientation, and can definitely cause you to pass out. User Samai4444 believes that this electromagnetic burst is what triggered the alarm that was off because of the massive amounts of energy surging through. Like when a light flickers when you turn on a vacuum cleaner, when power to one circuit causes a surge to another. He said that glitches in the matrix are just hiccups of this event and that the Mandela effect is a direct result of dimensions actually overlapping. Half of us remember history one way, the other half remember history another way. Both are correct, but half of us aren't in their original dimension, which is starting to sound like the plot of Coherence. I was just thinking that, like where some of them Oops. ended up in the other one. They had the different colored things and it was yeah, like, the how do we get sticks? in this house? I'm in the yeah. wrong dimension. Yeah. Yep. I was so like that comet that. coming that close to Earth made gravity shift so much through the dimensions that it was able to mm-hmm. allow us to shift through dimensions. So that's scary. But yeah. anyway, their suggestion in the call. comments is to test your memories and see if you can find something that is a total fact for you versus the rest of the world to see if you have bled over from an alternate dimension. Which, boy, what a fucking scary thought. <laughs> like, scary. to bleed to, like, accidentally end up in another dimension. But Sumai4444 and Arashale say that it shouldn't scare us because these shifts happen all the time it's deja vu it's a glitch in the matrix it's missing time feels like deja vu yeah there are a lot of ways that it affects us but some of the effects are so small we don't even know it's happening and he was saying that the reason that it was so noticeable to them is because they were not in one of their common spaces like people who travel often or aren't in the same place a lot notice dimensional shifts more so than people who have like the same daily routine like i wouldn't fucking ever notice it because i do the same shit every day (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and i spend most of my time at here's routine (laughs) so i thought that was Uh interesting that was an interesting thing to think about interesting my mind is just like racing right now and i i feel like i have said this on the podcast before and we've talked about these shifts is i have deja vu all the time and it's about Mm -hmm. like the weirdest things it could be something so normal where I'm just like oh we've definitely had this conversation before you're I feel like it's been happening with school like moms from Wilder School lately where I'm like I've been talking to you our kids were like running on each side of us like this is exactly it and they're just staring at me like okay (laughs) I don't know what you want me to say and I'm like I know I'm processing out loud you don't have to say anything but it happens to me all the time so I wonder Mm. and you said People might notice it more if their daily routine changes. And I feel like day-to-day for me is never the same. Yeah. So So you might actually notice it more often than someone like I would who – which if you think about deja vu, you'd think that if you did the same thing all the time every day, you would experience deja vu more. I was because that, yeah. you're doing the same shit all the time. You'd be like, oh, this doesn't seem like yesterday. Deja but it's vu? really people who do things – differently often that get those strange feelings i don't know the whole thing just kind of blows my freaking mind oh my god, my my god. i need to like i'm gonna i'm really gonna go down the rabbit hole like this it, is the tin hat it freaked my bean the hat. <laughs> <I know. laughs> wow anyways thank you okay, john so norris everyone follow thank you at john the artist john norris on instagram because his art is also freaking cool I was going to say, also, your job is just amazing, and we are amazed by you. Thank you. Yeah. That was very cool. Okay. We had another listener write in a very kind, wonderful person who did want to remain anonymous, but they have been a longtime listener and just said really nice things. So, you know, I like to include the little nice intro sometimes, but anonymous said... 
Hello, fellow weirdos. Thank you again for your podcast. It brings me so much comfort and joy knowing I'm not alone in all my weirdness and interest in the mystery of it all. Deeply appreciate you too. We love you. Cute. Um, I Anonymous says, I recently had a bizarre and creepy experience that I'm happy to share with you, but I'm not sure what category of weird this falls under. So maybe mm. you can help me decide. I... Want to, I wanted to make this as short as possible. I'm sorry if it goes on too long, but I call this story, Are There Ghosts That Everyone Can See? Question mark. Oh, This experience yeah. happened. I know. But <laughs> it, I mean, this is a very interesting story, so I will be okay. curious to see what you think at the end. So Anonymous writes, also, this part of the story says, this just happened two and a half weeks ago. And I think that's important to say for how recent it had happened and the listener remembered it well, but... Also, this was right after our final listener ghost stories for the year last year. So this was actually in November of 2022. But just to give everybody context. But listener says, hi, this experience just happened to me two and a half weeks ago, and I still haven't really made sense of it. I think that's part of the reason I I feel compelled to share and process. I live in an apartment building on the fourth floor with my husband and puppy. We live in an urban but pretty safe part of Seattle and rarely have anything strange or dangerous happen besides typical city stuff. Our apartment building has a reputation for being safe with a strong community of people who watch out for each other and keep an eye on things. We have the least break-ins or crime in our neighborhood out of all the apartment complexes. So this happened at 8.30 at night on a Wednesday. It was dark and I had just gotten off a Zoom meeting and needed to go pick up my husband and puppy where he works. I grabbed my purse, opened the door, and stepped out as usual, but to my shock, about six inches away from me, just standing there, is a man I had never seen before. Our building is pretty quiet, and we don't have people walking by often, so it was always noticeable if anyone is around or near our entrance. When I get startled, I jump and scream loudly. My family and friends can attest to this, and so I did, and pretty much right in his face. To further my shock, he did not flinch, did not move, did not do anything. It was like he was a statue or completely frozen. I immediately knew in my gut that something was very wrong and instinctively jumped back into my apartment, shut the door, and locked the deadbolt. At that point, I was hyperventilating and immediately called my husband, not really knowing what else to do, and I could hear him through the door, the man outside, in a confused and irritated tone saying, What's wrong? What's the matter? I think he said some other things too, but I was so freaked out I couldn't make out what he was saying, and I was on the phone at that point talking to my husband, who coached me to get away from the door and call 911. So I did, I hid in our bedroom, and the cops came 20 minutes later. They showed up at my apartment door, and another resident had let them into the building, and they were assuring me that they checked the whole building and could not find anyone who matched the description. It was safe to assume he had left. So they escorted me down to my car, and I still drove to pick up my husband and puppy. The the whole car ride, I kept trying to shake it all off, tell myself it was just a weird, one-off experience, and he was gone, according to the cops. I had nothing to worry about. When we got back to the building, we parked down in the parking garage and rode the elevator up. Wednesdays are busy days for both of us, so we had a lot of stuff to bring up from the car, including my mountain bike. My husband has the mountain bike, I have the puppy, and we have all these bags hanging from us. We get to the fourth floor, the door opens, and the man from earlier is fucking standing there. As close as he can get to the door, just blank staring at us. This exploded my brain. I went into complete hysterics, screaming bloody murder. I felt like I was in a horror movie. My husband put it together that this was the guy from earlier, so he said in a loud, low voice, back up. Not only did the guy not back up, he started slowly walking into us, staring at us deadpan. My husband started yelling louder and pushing my bike into the guy, and yet he just kept walking into us, starting to trap us in the elevator, and not reacting whatsoever to what we were saying and doing, just walking forward. Between my husband and I yelling and screaming, people started poking their heads out of their doors and saying, what's wrong, should we call 911? My husband was able to yell, yes, please call 911. Only then did the guy start to slowly back up, taking his time to make his way to a nearby stairwell, and my husband could hear him saying in a slow, calm voice, What's wrong? What's going on? I didn't do anything. What's wrong? Two residents were able to find him in the stairwell and chase him out of the building. They helped the cops locate him, and he was arrested shortly after. 
We know it was the correct person arrested because one of the residents helped police identify him and they made the initial arrest. Later, our building manager was going back through camera footage to try and figure out how he even got in. We have cameras in the lobby where you can get into the elevator and one of the stairwells as well. But the other stairwell closest to our apartment door has no camera. And our manager was never able to find any footage of him getting in the building, which means he somehow got into the stairwell near us without the camera and stuck around. The strange thing is he was wandering the building for at least an hour between the first and second time I saw him, but was never picked up on a camera and no other resident saw him. So for the hour or so that he was wandering around, I was the only person to encounter him twice. I know there could be many explanations of this, drugs, mental illness, an incorrect medication combo, any or all of these, but it honestly felt like some sort of ghost experience and it was a dark, dark presence. A real life zombie, I don't know, but my husband agrees. He said his presence was creepy and his eyes had nothing in them like he didn't have a soul. I'm actually curious what your take is on this. Are there ghosts or certain presences that can be seen by everyone, even ones that can get arrested? I feel really dumb asking this question, but he was just so strange, it's hard to chalk it up to just drugs or mental illness. Another layer of strangeness to this whole thing is a totally different person broke into our building again last week, just a week after this incident happened, and stole only one thing from the entire building, my mountain bike. The bike my husband had used to defend us against that creepy man. And longtime residents have told me that in their time living there, years and years, they have never had any break-ins, but yet in two weeks, there were two, both targeting me. We have verification that the bike thief is a different person from Creepy Man, but it's all just so weird. Yes, our puppy is okay. It took her a while to warm up to elevators again, but she is doing fine. Thank you for letting me share my experience. Okay. Anonymous wants feedback, and my feedback is, I don't even know, Laura. <laughs> I don't. I don't know where to start. I don't. Know. I don't like, even what? know. Like, I don't even know what it is. No, I don't know, and I don't think the question is dumb. To, you know, I feel like this person was kind of embarrassed, saying like, "Is there a ghost that can go to jail?" But I would have that same thought where it's yeah. like. That was not a person. Everyone just, it was such a dark, strange soul. Like, why wasn't he always Literally, seen on the, the cameras, only all of thing it, so. that I can think of is that you're living an X Files episode. And Truly. this is a person who, for some reason, is invisible to cameras. Vampire, maybe? Mm-hmm. Vampires can't show up on camera, I don't think. Interesting. Um, and they would have a soulless look and to them. And they would have a soulless probably. look. So maybe possibly a vampire if vampires are real. Like I have no fucking I don't idea. Know. No I feel clue. bad that we don't know how to help you anonymous. Especially, but this is so bizarre. And like I understand like I have had encounters with people before. And I know many people have who are who they've said like I know that that wasn't a person. And mm-hmm. it could be, obviously, you know, when people are on certain drugs, they truly don't seem like they're people. Like, they truly don't right. seem like there's anyone there inside. Yeah. Um, and people's eyes can look totally dead and absolutely in on certain medications. So, yeah. But I understand that, that feeling of, like, an eerie thing has happened when really... Yeah. It's just a normal guy. But the fact that he also didn't show up on any cameras. <laughs> so weird. It's crazy. Like, was able to hide away. Yeah. Come right back to where she was coming up in the elevator. And like, how did he know the exact moment to be there? And then her being targeted just a week later by a totally different person is also like, Who took the bike? What? It's like, Twi- what? Twilight what? Zone? What? I don't I, know. I have no words. I don't know. I don't I know. know what you experienced. That's terrifying. And I'm going to do a follow-up because, again, the story came in, like, just barely too late when we did our Listener Ghost Stories episode. So I'm curious if in this time that has passed, if anything else yeah, has happened. Anything so else I'll let you happened. know if there's any follow-up from Anonymous. <laughs> Please but, oh do. Oh, my golly gosh. Wow. Um, thank you so much, Anonymous. That, that's one of the scariest stories I've ever heard. So congratulations. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> Uh, okay, so then let's mix it up. This story comes to us from David, 
a registered nurse who has many stories from working in hospice, much like Lauren's lovely sister, Julia, who you can hear uh, basically every month over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash keep it weird podcast. Okay. Basically every month <laughs> is the best way to put it because, man, basically sometimes every we, month. Really, we really fail. But Sometimes yeah. <laughs> she's not there, but we try. Oh, honey. And you know I always ask if our storytellers want us to plug anything. And David, the sweetest nurse alive, did ask us to encourage our listeners to volunteer at your local hospice. And that's not all. He added, there's always a need and people can help out in ways that don't mean getting directly involved with patients if that kind of thing makes you uncomfortable. Um, at times, just running an errand or two for a patient's caregiver or helping out in the local hospice office would be a tremendous help. And that's something I thought was important to add because I, I hadn't really thought of that before. This is really great advice for someone like me who's always been very passionate about end-of-life care but also too scared to get into it for fear of not being able to handle the loss part of it. Um, there totally. are so many other ways that I can help or at least, you know, tip tiptoe my foot into the door and test the waters yeah of hospice care so julia has always said that i've that's why i appreciate our segments that we do in our bonus episodes because she says that too of like i know a lot of people who are considering being a death doula or being involved in end-of-life care in some way and she's like there are so many ways to volunteer and work your way up if you're feeling nervous or anxious about it so hospice nurses are amazing and they Mm -hmm. they'll tell you where to volunteer there are so many ways yeah. I love it. Um, so I'm going to do it, and I encourage our listeners to call their local hospice as well and see what kind of help they're needing volunteer-wise um, because it's just a very lovely thing that I don't think a lot of people give a lot of attention to. Um, so, sure. uh, oh, also, P.S., get your tissues ready because the story wrecked me. Oh, no. So without further ado, <laughs> David says... This is a story about Hilda, my little old lady hospice patient who lived in Odessa, Texas, in a nursing home. This is also a story about Claude, who was her son, but also my hospice patient, and lived at home in Midland, Texas with his wife, Joni. Yes, mother Hilda and son Claude were both dying at the same time in two separate places about 20 miles apart. And poor wife-slash-daughter-in-law Joni was trying to take care of both of them and doing a great job of it. Between the two, Hilda, the mom, and Claude, the son, I really expected Claude to go first. He was confused. He would still get up a little bit, but now he was weak and he just looked sick. And I really expected to be seeing him for maybe a couple weeks before I anticipated him dying. His mother, Hilda, all things considered, was doing relatively well. I really thought that I might be seeing her for two, if not three months, maybe even longer. She had been a long-term resident in the nursing home with Alzheimer's, and it just continued to take its toll on her to a point where she was almost bed-bound. And yes, she stopped eating as much and had been losing weight, and she was very confused, but she was pleasantly confused. I would typically see her twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays, normally, right after seeing her son on the same day. And each time, I would have to reintroduce myself to her, and we would chat for a while, and sometimes she would tell me the same stories from her youth over and over again, but she never failed to bring a smile to my face. And due to her confusion, she would sometimes just come out with things that really showed her confusion, like, I'm going to play baseball at the park this weekend, when obviously just getting out of bed was almost beyond her abilities. But she was an amazingly sweet lady, even if she didn't remember who I was each time, and sometimes came out with things that didn't make sense. But like I said, I did not expect her to die anytime soon. I really thought she would just continue to slowly decline, and probably in a couple of months, I expected her to die peacefully, but sadly, to outlive her son. So, one Friday, I made my stop to check in on the son, Claude, and he's doing okay. I make sure his, ma- his pain is controlled and he's breathing okay. His wife, Joni, is also doing an amazing job. I let her know that I'm actually on my way to go see Hilda and I'll see them again the following week. I drive over to the nursing home, check in with the staff, and they say Hilda's doing fine, maybe even happier than normal. 
I'm in a bit of a hurry and running behind. I know I'm not going to have as much time to visit with Hilda today. But I go into her room and she greets me with, Hi, I'm Hilda. Hi, Hilda. I'm David and I'm a nurse. I was coming by to see how you are today. Well, I think I'm good. Are you hungry? Have you eaten? Oh, yes, dear. I think I had some pancakes and sausage. <laughs> Very good, Hilda. Do you have any pain today? No, you know I never have any pain. Who are you? I'm David, and I'm a nurse, so I'm going to check your blood pressure and listen to you breathe, if that's okay. Of course, honey, you do what you need to do, but I really don't think I need a doctor or a nurse. I check her vitals. Everything is good. No obvious signs of distress. No pain. Hilda's in great shape, relatively speaking. All right, Hilda, it looks like you're doing well. I saw Claude and Joni this morning. They're doing well, too. And I'll see you next week, okay? Well, honey, my son, you know, the one on 145th Street, said he was meeting me up at the gate today at 2. He's taking me home. I won't be here next week. So knowing the condition Claude was in, I knew there was no way he was getting her. And besides, she said 145th Street. There's no numbered streets in Midland, and even Odessa streets don't go up that high. But it's noon now. There's no way even Joni would be coming over to get her. So sweet Hilda, confused as always. But I guess she has something to, in her mind, look forward to. She looked good. I enjoyed my visit with her, and I was glad to know that I would keep seeing her for a while more. Okay, Hilda, I'll see you next week. Okay, but I won't be here. I gathered my bag and stethoscope, said goodbye to the nursing home staff, and drove back to Midland to start seeing my afternoon patients. 2.15 p.m. I get a text to call Hilda's nursing home. I figure they just needed a refill on her medication. I call and talk with her nurse Annie. David, it's Hilda. I just went to check in on her, and she's dead. We had seen her about 30 minutes earlier and she was fine. We walked back in and, well, she was just gone. I was shocked. Over the years, I'd become really good at predicting when my patients would die. And yes, she was sick, but I never expected her to die that day or even that week or month. I thought back to her conversation about her son meeting her at the gate. Hmm. I called Joni's number and she answered... And I let her know that it sounded like Hilda had passed. Joni was sad, but not super surprised. I guess when anyone is 102, it's not a terrible surprise. I told her I was going back over to officially pronounce her, and Joni told me she would meet me there. I asked about Claude, but she said he was fine. They had just been visiting, and she wasn't sure if she would tell him yet or not. So I drove back to the nursing home, checked on Hilda. Sure enough, just like the staff said, she was gone. Joni showed up a little bit later, and after some hugs, she told Hilda goodbye and that she and Claude loved her. We stepped out into the hall. I told her I was surprised that it happened so quickly, but it looked like she had gone very peacefully. And then I told her about our last conversation. I told her the story, and then I said, Joni, it was strange that she said she was going to meet her son at the gate at 2, and that's almost exactly when she passed away. I thought first maybe Claude had died and met her, but it sounds like that's not the case. But I really think it was just her confusion because she, you know, she said her son on 145th, and you guys don't live on 145th, so I guess that was her confusion talking. But Joni interrupted me and said no. She was talking about her other son, Claude's brother. He lived on 145th Street in Lubbock, and he died about five years ago. Oh. And it sounds like he was meeting her at the gate today at 2 to bring her home. I was shocked and speechless. Claude would go on to die a couple of weeks later, and then Joni a couple of years after that. But each time I would think about all of them, I would think of them gathering at the gate to welcome each other home. That's so sweet. <laughs> <David>. <laughs> all misty-eyed over here oh my god there was another son i just the amount of nurses especially i've heard talk about how you know they can tell when it's happening they can tell when they're getting close they can tell i mean these people spend their whole lives they're literally experts in death and dying and and they can tell you when yeah 
you know, you need to start saying goodbye. It's going to happen anytime soon. So like the fact that she was like, no, my son's meeting me today at two and and he's going to take me home or whatever. And him being like, "Okay, you know, and like thinking like she's got months left. And then she 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 knew knew. she was ready and she was was waiting for him. And honestly, I love that she was like when he went in, the nurses were even like Hilda's doing great today. She's in a really good mood. It's like. Which is also one of the most common things that happens. Like right before they go, they're so happy. And again, I'm like, this all ties. It is. They're like, I know it's coming. And that is all part of what we talk about on the episodes with Julia and Keep It Teared and why it's called Keep It Teared. Because we we always always cry. Crying and (laughs) clutching our hearts because she will share stories or we'll read them online. And hospice nurses just experience such sweet moments with people. But it's. It's such a tell when it's like, oh, they've been super ill, but today they seem happy and kind of have this final burst of energy. And then it's like, that seems good, but also, but also probably means, probably means it's just, it's wild. They're going. Yeah. So oh, I hope David, that, that was so sweet. Hilda and Claude and Claude's brother and Joni. I hope they are all together Joni. somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere hanging out. Oh, that is so, that was a beautiful tale. It was. Thank you so much, David, for letting us tell that story. We, these are some of our all-time favorites, the Mm -hmm. sweet ones. It was really special. We have a second time listener writing in, our friend Sienna. Sienna! Um, She has written us before, Mm -hmm. yes, Sienna. We used her story in an episode last summer, and it was about a home that she lived in that had an exhaust fan above a bathtub. Oh, God. Weird vibes. And then a piece of jewelry that belonged to nobody was found right under the exhaust fan in the tub. It was super spooky. (laughs) Nobody knew where it came from. And then it vanished. All kinds of things. So that's Sienna, and she's back. (laughs) Um, It's a, she's back with a half creepy, but also half sweet. So we're kind of riding that sweet train. And she says, hey, gals, so excited you've decided to do another listener ghost story episode this season. I'm going to hop right into the story and also include a quick trigger warning for suicide. Mm. I worked at a restaurant in southwest Missouri for 11 billion years (laughs) and still moonlight there when I need extra cash. The coolest manager, we're going to call him H, worked at the location I also worked at for many of those 11 billion years and like most of us H had his demons but they would eventually lead to a not great situation side note H hated closing down the front of house which was mostly just turning out the lights and collecting the cash register drawer when all the front of house staff had left why you ask did he hate it so much because the restaurant had itself a little ghosty I say because it was spooky af It was spooky in the front of house. Many years before I started working there, the staff would go bowling after close, and one evening after the bowling excursion, everyone went to leave, and there was one server that unfortunately did not make it home because she was involved in a fatal car accident. A picture of that server has hung in the manager's office since her accident, and H swore that this server was hanging around and messing with him when he was closing up the front. He was certain of it. And sadly, H then got himself into a bit of trouble, and he it led to him taking it upon himself to take his life and resolve those problems that he had gotten into. It was a very, very sad situation. So now that you have that background, here is my spooky story. I was working in the back party room one evening, a very rare occurrence for me, and it was around Christmas time. I was cleaning up the room, and for whatever reason, H, the manager, popped into my head. I became very sad thinking about him and how he wasn't around anymore, and that's when the lights got very bright in the room, and then went back down. I thought, okay, that's kind of weird. Some of the lights in the restaurant are on dimmer lights, but specifically not in this room. These lights do not dim. It's either on or it's off. So, tried to dismiss it, I went back to being sad, and it happened again. So I started speaking aloud to H, asking, is this you? Will you do it again? Are you there? And it happened again. I started recalling all the good times that we had shared, and I let him know how sad I was that he was no longer here, but how happy I was that he was in a much better place. 
The lights would brighten and dim a few more times as I was communicating with him. Then I told H I love him and goodbye because I needed to leave the room and collect my sales slip, finish up. And when I went back into the room to do my sales stuff, the light did not brighten and it did not dim. And to my knowledge, this has not happened before or since. So that is my very welcomed experience with spirits in the workplace. And I cannot recall anything else happening in that restaurant. But like I said, I only moon light there every once in a while. I hope you enjoyed my story. Ladies are great. And I always look forward to new episodes. Love, Sienna. Now, I wonder what about that restaurant? You know, she did say that she loved working there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She said it was a really cool place. Yeah. She loved working there. And if that was yeah. the kind of environment that was provided where everyone that's there really loves being there and like they obviously enjoy each other's company because they go bowling together after their shift, like I do see how if one were to pass on that they would keep a connection with that place for whatever reason. They would come and visit because mm-hmm. it brings the good vibes. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. The server who was coming back and, you know, bothering, as he said, the manager, H. Um, I feel like she was coming back because she got along with him. She wanted to say hello. And then it felt like H was probably coming back because, you know, he also had an attachment there. But I like to think that Sienna in that moment, like when she was feeling sad and missing him, maybe he was just like, hey, Hey. I get it. I know you miss me, but like, don't worry about it. It's all good. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, I just want to weep very sweet so sweet i know i just really liked that story Man. thanks sienna. thank you sienna that was spooky and sweet and cool. and cool and sad and the electricity it's like we're always saying that's like the main mm-hmm. main line for that communication it really is whether they're attempting to communicate through it or it's just a result of their manifestation or their presence i'm not sure which is which but for sure. it definitely seems to correlate totally it's something. I'm going to read one more story today. This story comes in from Lori. It's a shorty, but a goodie. And I need to know if anyone out there has had a similar experience because in the seven years of producing this podcast, I don't think we've had a story quite like this one. Oof. Lori says, I had basically pushed other paranormal experiences that I've had in my life to the back of my mind. I ignored them for years, just accepted that there was a logical explanation, even if I couldn't see it at the time. The one experience I could not ever seem to reconcile, though, was one that I had shared with someone else. My BFF at the time, this was 1985, worked part-time after school a couple nights a week in the rectory of her Catholic church. She had arranged for me to spend time with her there under the pretext of tutoring me. We were sitting in a pew chatting one night while watching the organist practice for Sunday service. He was at the front of the church up on a balcony with his back to us. I noticed a spot over my vision right at the back of his head and I thought I might have gotten something greasy in my eye. So I started blinking to clear my vision. Then I noticed a translucent replica of his head floating next to his head. I noticed my friend, who had been talking up until then, was silent and also staring up at him. I was careful not to say what I was seeing, and I just asked her, Do you see what I see? And she said to me, His head is floating next to his body. I can explain away a lot of our experiences in that church, but that one messes with me. I've never known what to make of it. It wasn't a ghost since the guy was alive. It wasn't a subliminal suggestion because we had not been talking about anything that could have triggered a shared hallucination of the same off-the-wall vision. Was it a prank? Can otherworldly beings make us see things? It's a disturbing thought if true. Lori, yeah. what? what? What is going on with you people on this earth? week? This is another one that I am just like. But you know what? The first thing I'm I baffled. thought of when I read this was the movie Soul. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which is by far my favorite like Pixar movie. And for any of you who haven't seen Soul, so one, weird. what are you doing? It's on Disney Plus. Disney Plus is like five dollars a month. Spend the five dollars just to watch Soul. Okay? It's so good. It's so good. But in Soul, there is basically a realm beyond ours, like a spiritual realm that the living can sort of touch especially when they're in the zone whether you're in the zone playing basketball you're in the zone playing the piano you're in the zone drawing you're in the zone what what gets you in your zone you know what i mean what gets what is what when is the time where you are so consumed with what you're doing what you're creating what you're making what you're experiencing that you literally lose yourself and in the movie when people were in that zone their consciousness was basically brought into this other world this afterlife this you know beyond and that's what I thought of if he's playing the organ and maybe he's just really sort of like having an out-of-body experience yeah yeah or it was just like this is my entire soul my heart these girls were able to see his soul to witness to witness it oh my god i mean it's just that's really the only theory that makes sense to me i truly have nothing else where i'm like how i don't what was the floating head yeah, I would totally assume that I had just been seeing something, obviously. But the fact that her friend was like, oh, you mean his fucking head floating next to his body? This floating <laughs> head? Yes, I see that. And I want to cry. <laughs> I know. Unless, like, a, it was some sort of glimpse into, you know, another dimen- another dimension's version mm-hmm. of him. And somehow we were seeing this. But I don't know. I've never heard anyone describe that a slip that way that is especially how she said you know i i I noticed what seemed like a smudge like where his head should be lay and i thought it was my vision so it's almost like she not only saw the saw that she also saw it like manifest itself like she saw the beginning middle and end of of it forming I don't know what I would do if I yeah. saw that. It wouldn't be good. No. I wouldn't go back to that church. I'll tell I you that much. Bad... No. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you that much about me as much as I like reaction, spooky I things. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I have a spooky experience, I usually just avoid that place. <laughs> Nobody, nope, 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 right out of there. So it's, crazy. That is so interesting. Thank you so much, Lori, for letting Definitely us uh, tell that story. If anyone listening has had any experience like this where you've seen what can only be described as someone's spirit, someone's soul, someone's essence, someone's consciousness outside of their body. I mean, we have, I have people who in my life who claim to be able to see auras. I want to say it was just his aura almost. So seeing Uh auras even. I want to hear about that. I want to know more. I know. I wonder what Amy, a medium Amy would think about Mm. that. If she has any thoughts, you just, made me think that when you said auras if she's ever been like oh yeah if I'm reading a person every once in a while I see this I don't know or if she'd say I have no idea guess we should have Amy Goldenberg back on the show hmm oh maybe do another ask a medium yeah we'll do another ask a medium send in your questions 626-686-1821 do you have another story or do you want to save it I think I'll save it. I'm saving my last story. Because you're saving your last one. Yeah. I feel like we're at a good time. Let's save it. And we won't even, you know, because I've already asked permission, um, I'll I'll tell this story next week. So Matt uh, Paulding, Matt Paulding, I'm going to tell your story next week. It is so much fun. I'm talking like capital F-U-N fun and creepy, but fun. So I'm going to tell that one on next week's episode, even though it's not technically a listener ghost stories episode <laughs> well it's just gonna be a segment of fun strange creeps stuff. fun creeps uh, yeah. <laughs> the fun creeps i'll find i'll find a way to Goodness. tie it into something i'm sure We'll figure it out. But that is all the time we have My this goodness. week what? for what keep it weird holy buckets holy shit buckets holy this that was a a roller coaster roller coaster (laughs) y'all thank you to everyone who submitted 
uh, uh, stories or who allowed us to read their stories on this episode. This was a great episode of Listener Ghost Stories. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Any of you listening, if you have a scary story, a scary experience, a strange thing you can't explain, please tell us. Even if you don't want it read on a future episode, um, just say that. We just like reading about experiences and kind of categorizing them and and dissecting them. So you can email us at keepitweirdpodcast at gmail.com or, like I said, call us 626-686-1821. Tell us your story there. Thank you guys so much for listening or watching our episode. I know this is a fan favorite. So thank you so much for joining us. And please, please, please consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast because that is how we make money. That is how we are able to do this every week on top of having full-time jobs. Um <laughs> It's it's the it's the 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 gas in our on our vehicle. It's the gas in our truck. Okay, and it's what pays <laughs> for. It's also paying the babysitter. That's important. It to pays know. the it babysitter. Gets wilder out of the room. It pays for our equipment. <laughs> it, it pays for the websites where yes. we have to upload our episodes. Like you are paying mm-hmm. the bills that it takes to make this happen. So thank you so much. And if you want to donate to the show. Uh, please go to www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast and uh, you can get all the details there. Make sure you're following us on social media at keepitweirdcast on Instagram and Twitter. Now, it's hive mind. Today's hive mind, I'm going to be sending a psychic message to Lauren using the Zener cards, which include the shapes squiggly lines star circle square there she and plus is. There sign she is. <laughs> last week we tried a flashing method in which lauren and i cleared our minds mm-hmm. we pictured the image in our head we allowed it to flash in front of our eyes and gosh darn it if it didn't fucking work so today without further ado lauren i am sending you this psychic message here we go plus sign are you fucking kidding me (laughs) that's two in a row that's two in a row that's two in a row and also Also, this isn't weird to anybody else, and I should have written it down to be proof, but I also had Ashley's exact hairstyle on my head she just did. moments before we started recording. Mm-hmm. We're connected. We are connected. We're connected. Fucking plus sign. Booyah, bitches. All right, oh. so we're going to continue on with the flashing method. It seems to be working. It seems to be happening. So tune in next week for some spooky stories and some human body stuff. Oh, yeah. In the meantime, you have like next week. I'm all basically good to go. done. I'm ready. We can stuff. record another episode right now. <laughs> but Let's in the go. meantime, thank you guys oh. so much. Have a great week and keep it weird.